0: Welcome to the Michigan Minds podcast,
1: a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds today to talk with us about Poetry Month. Can you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan?
0: Of course. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Samita Chakraborty. I'm the Helen Zell Visiting Professor in Poetry here at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, and I teach graduate and undergraduate courses in literary studies and in creative writing.
1: As a poet, essayist, and scholar, can you tell me a little bit about your work and the areas that you focus on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The areas I focus on is a little easier for scholarship than it is for poetry because um, in poetry, I feel like I focus on pretty much anything and everything that happens to present an obsession at any given moment in time. In my scholarly work, I'm really interested in how poetry and poetics can offer resources for ethical thinking. And um, that's pretty broad. Um, At this time, that largely is focused around uh, ethics in the Anthropocene. So the Anthropocene is usually thought of as a term pertaining to the environment. But in general, I think that it is really structured and really driven by a lot of interpersonal and um, sociocultural aggression and violence and, and death as well. So my work is looking at 20th century poetry as an archive that can help us think of new ways in which to address the ecological alongside sociopolitical aggression so that they don't have to be separate considerations in ethics. They can be as imbricated as they are in poetry and as imbricated as they are in life.
1: What are some of your favorite moments that have occurred throughout your career?
0: That's such an excitingly big question. You know, um, my debut collection of poetry came out this past September, and uh, it looked precisely nothing like what I expected when two years ago I signed a contract and was really excited by the number 2020. Whoops. (laughs) That being said, I mean, I think that the virtual tour um, and other methods of kind of socially distanced, but digitally proximal engagement has strangely reminded me of some of the things that brought me to poetry in the first place Um, the fact that you know you can write something down and it can reach something someone far away from you that you would never expect so it's been kind of magical honestly to to reconnect with some of the most formative ways in which I myself first met poetry, which wasn't like through um, necessarily through meeting a poet or going to a reading, although I did have some, some early experiences with that that were really great, but it was through like reading books and reading particular poems that managed to grab me when I still had no idea what this poetry thing was all about. So that feels sort of like what I got to do myself over this last year, and that's been really valuable.
1: So April is National Poetry Month. What does an observance such as this mean to you?
0: That's a great question. And, you know, for me, um, I actually forget National Poetry Month at first every single year because every month is is National Poetry Month in my tiny little corner of the universe. Um, But You know, I think that the things that things like National Poetry Month do is they remind a general reading public that poetry isn't just some static inaccessible thing that only people like me in the academy do like it's a huge conversation, a hugely diverse conversation that um, has spanned millennia and has spanned traditions and continents and cultures um, you know the number of things that are lyric right that that have that lyric component, I mean, that stretches through music, that stretches through the visual world, that stretches into even text messages and Twitter and social media and all that jazz. So I think that stuff like this, while for me, it kind of just feels like April being National Poetry Month is just like another, another month in which I'm doing poetry stuff literally all the time. It does invite more conversations and open more doors for people for whom that's not the case. And I always like reaching audiences who may find their encounters with poetry to be unexpected and and just not something they're accustomed to. So I think it's really valuable in that way.
1: Always great to engage new audiences. Totally. Speaking of uh, participating and engaging in things, you are participating in collaboration with the U of M Humanities Institute. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope to get more involved. They do a lot of really great work at the Institute. I'm kind of New to working with them, um, and thanks to Professor Peggy McCracken, got to brainstorm with her a little bit about various things they could do for National Poetry Month. Um, one of my involvements there was with the Noon Poems series, which has just been a complete delight. Um, seeing a number of other people from the Michigan community read a poem and have a little bit of time in the middle of a workday, even to engage with poetry and to have that kind of trickle out again into perhaps unexpected audiences. That's been really great. So my involvement with the Institute so far has been pretty much brand new only in the context of this, but I'm hoping for more.
1: What is something that everyone should know about poetry?
0: I was thinking about this question since you mentioned you would ask it. You know, I think I'm going to um, riff off of and rip off Audre Lorde. Audre Lorde wrote that poetry is not a luxury in a beautiful essay that I assign in pretty much every single class I teach. And I think that the one really important part of that essay is that for people who do feel distanced from poetry it can often feel inaccessible because it feels ornamental you know it's like um how can i make time in my regular life just for these pretty words kind of kind of written down in with strange line breaks and i understand that hesitation that people have, but the the great point that Audre Lorde makes is that poetry helps us feel things differently, you know, we so seldom have the opportunity to ask ourselves, not only what we're feeling, which also we don't get to ask ourselves as often as we should, but also How specifically our feelings relate to our lives, to our subject positions to the things we're dealing with and experiencing in the world, and poetry offers an opportunity to do exactly that, and that's really indispensable I think I think that people feeling like they have the permission to have sensations and have feelings and have those be made and remade. I think that is a really valuable thing in the world. So that's the part I'm ripping off of her. The part where I'd like to riff off of her is that I think I would like people to know that poetry does not need to be inaccessible. And in fact, Isn't. I think you know, I have so many students who show up, say, to a like a literature in the environment course, and they're excited for say the fiction part, like they know they're going to get some really cool climate fiction type stories. But the poetry part is like, ooh, who knows? You know, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm not. And all of a sudden they start worrying, maybe I'm not artsy enough, maybe I'm not experienced enough. You know what I mean? And and I I understand, again, I completely understand how that impression may be the case, but Because poetry is an occasion, to feel something, right, and to feel something new and to feel maybe even close to a feeling that you have never had but is present in the poem, all of those things aren't just like inscrutable mysteries in a poem that you have to decode. They're opportunities to to touch the poem, to have an encounter with the poem. So even if you don't, like say you're listening to this and you haven't read a poem since high school and you're not really sure how to get back in touch with poems again, well, What I would recommend is just spend some time browsing and see if you can just have a feeling. It's that simple. You don't have to magically understand everything going on. No one does. That's the magic of literature. If it wasn't, we'd all be out of jobs because it would be like one interpretation and then it's game over. If you can read something, read a poem and just have a feeling or have a reaction to a particular word or a particular sound or a particular image, well, congrats. You've had an encounter with poetry. So I think that's what I would most want people to take away from um, this conversation about poetry is that I really think it's not a luxury. And similarly, I really think anyone can access it.
1: That is a wonderful takeaway. Thank you. Why is poetry an important part of our everyday lives?
0: I'm going to go back to the Lord essay for this one. Lord argues that there are no new ideas, only new ways to make things felt. And, um, you know, I don't, we can put an asterisk next to no new ideas. Who knows? I'm sure everyone has a different reaction to that particular provocation. Um, for me, though, the fact that there are new ways to make things felt is really, really valuable. I think that we struggle so frequently to understand how other people might be. And it's not, it's not necessarily a shortcoming or something I'm trying to um, look down on. Of course, that we struggle to understand how other people feel things. We're feeling things in our mind all the time. And as I just said, we don't frequently have the opportunity even to sit down and dwell with what, We're feeling. So it's hard then to also make the leap to what someone else is feeling. But that's exactly what poetry asks us to do, right? When we read a poem, we're having our own feelings in relation to it. And we're trying to understand what that eye on the page or the character on the page is experiencing as they shift from line to line, from image to image, from sound to sound. It's that exact action that I think is just an incredibly valuable thing to practice and to put yourself in the position of vulnerability to do in relation to any given strange eye in a poem on the page. So I think that that's something that makes poetry really important for the day-to-day and the practical. Um, I'm not going to be so reductive as to say that like reading poems will make you a better person. If only that could be true, I would just be sticking poems in everyone's mailboxes. It is not at all that simple. But through practicing these little acts of comprehension, um, of feeling, of dwelling with something that we may not have even expected to experience. It's a way of broadening your intellectual toolkit, and your emotional toolkit, because poetry is a way of thinking and feeling, and we could use more of both of those things.
1: How can individuals who aren't poets or writers begin to participate in something like Poetry Month?
0: Yeah, I think this goes back to why things like Poetry Month are so valuable, especially for people who, unlike me, aren't doing like Poetry Year, Poetry Three Sixty Five. Right? Um, there are so many um, social media sites, literary magazines, YouTube channels, podcasts, etc., that are during National Poetry Month putting out props, putting out brief clips of poems, offering opportunities to do like poem exchanges, and I think that low-stakes, low-key, casual things like that can be really helpful to start thinking about this whole poetry racket and how someone who maybe uh, isn't very experienced with reading it or writing it can start to partake of its magic. You know, even a do like a low-stakes prompt a day and that might sound way ambitious, but even a low-stakes prompt a week, there are so many very, very accessible writing prompts that I think can really open this conversation wide open.
1: And you touched on, you know, something that everyone should know about poetry already. But, you know, in in thinking about this conversation specifically, what is one key takeaway that you would want everyone listening to have?
0: I would say, you know, if everyone might come away from this conversation, realizing that regardless of how they have felt or been made to feel with regard to poetry or literature of any kind, really, um, in the past, I would say that there is a place for you at this table. And that if you feel there isn't, um, it may be a sign that you're not at a table that's big enough. You know, I know I have work with many, many students, and also even outside of Michigan, I've run um, workshops at various prisons and um, with domestic violence uh, organizations. I think in those settings, especially, people come to the table having received a whole lot of exclusionary language about what literature can and should look like. And I'm pretty committed to combating that with pretty much everything I do. So if there's one big takeaway um, that people might have from this conversation, I would hope it would be that if you do want a place in these conversations, that place is waiting for you. And if you're struggling to find out how and find out where, well, my inbox is open. It is very full, so it'll take a while
1: for me to get back to you, but it's open. is there anything else that you want to add or share
0: i hope that um people are finding themselves at the end of at hopefully the end of this long pandemic stretch of isolation finding new ways to enjoy themselves express themselves step out into the sun step out into the rain you know I, I know it's been a, a difficult year for pretty much everyone and um, so I guess the only thing I would add is stay safe stay healthy stay happy and uh, write a couple words of a poem
1: <laughs> well thank you so much for taking the time to join us it has been lovely to speak with you and learn more about poetry and the importance and impact that it has every day Thank you so much, Erica. It's been a blast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social
1: media with hashtag UMichImpact.